On today's show, I welcome lead pastor of Life Church, Craig Groeschel, will be in the house. We're going to be talking about his latest book and also how to have longevity in ministry. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. This is a big one. This will be our last guest on the podcast. So next week's final episode of Making Sunday Happen will be a retrospective of the show with some clips from the last few years of guests. So you don't want to miss that. That's a big celebration for us. Uh, But we are moving from 1230 Media to Church Visuals. We are incredibly excited about this move. Churchvisuals.com will be our new online home. You'll be able to find everything that we put out right there for you. Churchvisuals.com. The ready-made section will feature 30,000-plus pieces of media, uh, multiple product lines, including mini-movies, games, countdowns, theme packs, and more, all there for you, ready for you to instantly download for use at your church. Uh, That is the ready-made section. We also have a custom media section where you can order custom graphics and video for your church or ministry, and we serve a lot of churches with their sermon graphics, uh, sermon series bumpers, trailers, promo videos. Uh, we serve a lot of large ministries uh, like cu- like curriculum providers, uh, folks that, that need a, a whole bunch of graphics and video all at once. So we can take on about any need that you have. Uh, our team is incredible at motion graphics. We can do uh, shooting and editing as well, but we really have uh, skills in motion graphics. So feel free to, to send stuff our way. We would love to help you. Uh, and then we have a brand new training platform, and it is incredible. Uh, we are adding a podcast network, so you're going to see more than my face on on the uh, on the platform, which is wonderful. I love it. Uh, brand new faces, new personalities. Uh, so there'll be uh, several podcasts there. There'll be courses on the platform. Uh, there will be uh, articles, webinars, and more. So be sure to check that out. It's all at churchvisuals.com. Again, churchvisuals.com. All right, today my special guest is Pastor Craig Groeschel. Uh, Craig's latest book, Winning the War in Your Mind for Teens, is out now. We talked about the book, and we also talked about how to have longevity in ministry, uh, his best advice for new pastors and ministry leaders, and more. So we're going to jump right into my interview with Craig Groeschel. Here we go. Hey guys, today I welcome pastor, podcast host, and author Craig Rochelle to the show. Craig, what's up, man? Thanks for hanging hey, Carl, out. Great to be with you, man. I'm excited to be on. So I usually am in my studio back home, but I was doing a speaking engagement in Orlando. So I came over to Orlando First Baptist and I've decorated just for you. Hey, that's uh, perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, but man, thanks so much for for taking the time. How, how th- are things going at Life Church? What are some of the things that God's doing with you guys there. It is a, it's a good year. And I, I think I would have said that for most years. And then there were um, a couple of years, a couple of years back that I wouldn't have quite said the same thing. And so it's yeah. 
things are feeling uh, more like, I think, what would be God-honoring and, and seeing more new people coming to church right now and a lot of people coming to faith. And the team feels, what I'd say, healthy and strong again mm-hmm. when uh, they, we kind of were and then we weren't as strong as I'd like to be. And so yeah. I'm just in a lot better mood, honestly, right now than I was a couple of years ago. So yeah. I think it's uh, that's fairly common. A lot of my friends are saying the same thing, but it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a mostly good season again. I'm very very thankful for it. Well, I know a lot of pastors are coming out of that season where I mean, with the COVID stuff, they just couldn't win either way. A lot of them. Uh, so it's it's great to hear you and others uh, just be encouraged by the the season that we're in. Very very thankful for it. Um, I want to go ahead and dive into to this book. This is Winning the War in Your Mind for Teens. Now, this is a student version of the first book. Why now? Uh, why did you re- release this one specifically for teens right now? Well, first of all, you know, when we wrote the book, I uh, wrote the book Winning the War in Your Mind. It it um it kind of exceeded our expectations, and which mm-hmm. is exciting and it's kind of sad because what it tells you is that there are so many people that are facing very real battles in their mind. And we, as we know, there's so many issues with mental health. And then two things happened. One is that, you know, I'm raising six kids and seeing what they're going through. And so I've always had a heart for them and for students. And then there was kind of just parents all over saying, is there any way possible we can have a version of this for our teenagers? And so it just was kind of like the perfect collision of, my heart for it and what seemed to be a need for it. And so um, I got together with some, you know, good people that specialize in ministry, that age group and, and uh, rewrote the book in the direction toward teenagers. And it's, it hasn't been out long. And the good news is we're hearing that a lot of teens are reading it. Um, it's helpful. A lot of parents are reading it and reading it with their teens. And then a lot of youth groups are actually going through the book as well. So it's, I'm encouraged because the need is great. And I think it's a resource that can be really helpful. What are some things with teenagers specifically that you had to go back and rewrite? How much of the book did you have to kind of reform to kind of get into the teenage mind? Well, I'll be super transparent. So there's um, a guy named Josh that kind of what he does is he writes books for teenagers. And so he was a consultant and a co-author. In fact, he's on the cover of the book and worked with me to come and say, hey, that's a good illustration for normal church but a teenager is not, not mm-hmm. going to um, uh, relate to it. And so yeah. we went and rewrote a lot of the illustrations to what's something that a 14, 15 year old, 16 year old is going to go through and took the language and basically um, made it in such a wrote it in a way that was going to keep the attention of, um, of teenagers. And, mm-hmm. and it's uh, thankfully, I think it's doing that and more than just keeping their attention is it, it's a resource that helps them renew their mind because to be a kid now, my gosh, it's so complicated. It, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that raising a teenager today is indescribably more complicated than it was 10 years ago, like literally in 10 yeah, years. Well, raising a teenager and being a teenager, uh, both are just so I, I would not want to, I would not want to be 15, 16 years old today. Mm-hmm. It was hard yeah. enough. And, and, you know, for years, I think, Carl, we said, to our kids and almost accurately so they'd say oh it's so much different nowadays and we could say for years it's really not that much different and be right now it is that much different it's very very different very complicated and so it's uh i think we need more resources directly at our teenagers to equip them to help them have the mind of christ to have a solid identity and um so i'm, I'm glad it's working to help some 
Well, as I was reading the book, so I was reading uh, the the chapters on you as a teenager, uh, and I'm a I'm a big fan of of, uh, of the '80s. I was born yep. in '83, so the Come music on. and the movies and the I just went to go see the new Mario movie. So like uh, I, I'm all in the '80s right now. Uh, so uh, so you were a teenager. You were describing how you were like Tom Cruise. You were wanting to do all your own stunts. You were super uh, daredevil, uh, and that's so true. Like the like the teenage mind is so. Is so different. It is. Uh, so as you guys research this, how how did you find that it's unique, uh, the the mind of a teenager and how you know they're willing to be daredevil like you? Yeah, are. absolutely. And I think the word you used is is a good word. It's unique. In the in the teen years, there's a real big downside about the mind, and there's a really big upside. And the downside is that the mind, and to kind of put it in layman's turn, is is the a teenager mind is kind of broken, meaning it's not functioning well it's mm -hmm. underdeveloped and it's almost like the um the brain is misfiring and trying to adapt to all of the new hormonal changes chemical changes in a teenager's body and the brain is not fully formed and so if you ever say like you know people would have said of me like that kid is crazy literally my mind mm -hmm. was not fully formed and i did crazy things now with all the complications in the world the mental health issues the sexual um, temptations, mm -hmm. the, um, the uh, suicidal tendencies, all, all that's going on, You're, we're introducing even more complex problems into the minds that are underdeveloped right now. And so that's the downside. The downside is their minds are underformed and functionally not sound. The upside is that their brains are still developing and they develop faster and better in their teenage years than later on. And so if there's ever a time that we wanna help them think on things that are true, if we ever wanna help solidify their spiritual identity, if we ever wanna help them understand real truths that will help lead them into the um, God-honoring ways versus leading them in the wrong, uh, wrong ways, this is the time to do it, that their brains mm -hmm. learn faster, adapt faster, and can absorb truth faster. Uh, it's easier to change your mind at 15 than it is at 25. And so that's the upside. So how did you, is this book more for the parent or more for the, the teen to read? Uh, this is, yeah, this book is more for the teenager to read. But what we're finding is parents are looking over the shoulder um, mm -hmm. and read it with them. And so it, it is 100% targeted for a teenager, but parents are actually loving it and reading a lot of parents read it first give it to their kids and, and or trying to read it together a lot of youth groups youth pastors reading mm -hmm. with their kids small group leaders reading with their kids but it, it is 100 percent for the kid first so how did you do that with the book and not say like hey you're crazy <laughs> like how did you frame it to where it could really relate to teens without it, offending? Yeah, in, in some ways i didn't didn't hold back and it kind of said mm -hmm. you're crazy like we're little <laughs> we, like we all are and that's just yeah. that's part of it we i mean we feel that way right you're like one day you're happy the next day you're sad one day you're you feel confident the next day you feel scared to death and we feel crazy and so it it is actually i think um a loving thing to say at that point your brain sometimes yeah. misfires and so if we acknowledge it's that normal. it's normal and so yeah. we're not uh we're not weird we're not doing something wrong when we have, you know, basically we're, we're changing into adults without adult-like experience. We have adult hormones um, and our body's changing into an adult, yet our mind is still 13 years old, 14 years old. It hasn't matured yet. We don't have the experiences. And so it's a, it's, it is um, 
always been a complicated season in today's environment it's more complicated and so as parents and as pastors we need to know that and we need to lovingly disciple appropriately and as teenagers i think it's really helpful to know that you're not the only one who's struggling mentally or emotionally you're not the only one that feels broken or um and and there are parts of us that are broken and the good news is uh, we can learn to think in a new way that's going to lead us into a better mindset, better headspace, better mental health space. And that's what I want to try to do in the book. So with both the teen book and the, the adult book, what are some good first steps that I can kind of walk through in winning the battle for my mind? Well, let's say uh, I'm going to assume you have more adults listening than teenagers. So let's mm-hmm. say you're a parent with a, with a teenager and you want to help your kid. What I would do is I would suggest the most important thing is you can really develop um, safe places to have intimate conversations, which is really hard. It's not going to happen ever by accident. They're going, they don't want to talk to you. They're peer driven. And so we have to really work to create the conversations. Some little things uh, that help are helpful. Like with my boys, I find what they want to do. If they want to play Frisbee golf, they want to go toss a ball. Or they want to go drive a car, you know, and I'll be the driver. We're going to spend a lot of time together having what I call just casual conversation about nothing important for a period of time. So we're creating a climate of trust. Hmm. Then what I do, Carl, is with them is I'd always, if I want to know about them, they're typically not going to tell me. Instead, I'm going to ask about their friends because they'll talk about their friends. Oh, my buddy's dealing with pornography and she's battling depression and my other friend, she's suicidal. And they'll often tell me a little bit about themselves by talking about their friends. If I can get them talking about their friends, then what I'm trying to do is if they're telling me about a friend, at some point I may ask, you know, do, are you, um, is that a question you've ever asked or have you ever struggled with that? And sometimes they'll be open or I'll say, man, it's so hard. Like what your, your buddy's going through, like what kind of advice would you give them? And that's where I can try to discern how are they thinking? What advice would they give them? And that helps me to tell how they would process it if they were in that, that situation. And then what we try to do, whether we're an adult or a teenager, is we wanna to try to figure out where our thinking is, is broken, where it's wrong, where we're believing lies, because mm-hmm. that's our spiritual enemy, that's his greatest weapon, right, is a lie. And so it, our mind is incredibly strong. Our, our, mind is, our, our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if our spiritual enemy is going to attack, he's going to often attack our thoughts. Where is it that we're believing something that's not true? That's step number one. Identify what the lie is. And this is really, really hard because we tend to believe the lie. Sometimes we need outside help. We need a counselor. We need a friend, a mentor, a small group leader to help us. And then step number two is define what really is true. And then there's a whole process that science would call, you know, creating new neural pathways, uh, but the Bible would call it renewing your mind. But there's tech, real, really helpful techniques proven in science, grounded in God's word that helps us to renew our mind. And, and that's what we have to do. The one line that you had in the book that I wrote down is a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. So it doesn't doesn't have to be true to affect my life. No. Uh, uh, it, it can still bother me in my mind, even if it's completely not true. Right. No, if you, if you believe you're unworthy to host a podcast, you're never going to host a podcast. You're too dumb to host a podcast. You're never going to host a podcast. You, you're not experienced enough to help pastors. You're, you're never going to help pastors. You're, uh, you're incapable yeah. of having a good relationship. You'll never have a good marriage. So 
Yeah, if you believe something that's not true and think it's true, it's gonna affect you if it were true. And that's the fundamental problem that we're trying to solve. So how does this relate to ministry leaders? Um, obviously, we're gonna struggle with the same things, right? Yes, yes. On two levels, first, I would say, as ministers to help others, we need to understand that one of the biggest problems the people under our care face is is um, wrong identities based in a wrong belief system. So it, essentially what we're trying to do, if we're sharing the light, we're trying to share the light in the darkness, we're trying, we're trying to help people understand who they are in Christ, who God says they are, stop believing the lies. So that's one of the top goals we have as ministers. Then on our end, what some people don't understand about pastors is that long before we were pastors, we were regular people, <laughs> right? And we're still regular people, and we are still just as vulnerable to anyone else to believe the lies. In some ways, we may be more vulnerable because we're judged publicly. Mm -hmm. And so our insecurities, we, a lot of times as pastors, we'll lead with our insecurities. Uh, we look on social media and see the other pastors who have more following or bigger mm -hmm. churches, and we feel like we're not good enough. And we all have the resume for failure. I, you know, I don't have a seminary degree, or I'm not young enough, or I'm not talented, I'm not a good enough preacher, I'm not a good enough leader, whatever it is. And that's just, that's the work of the evil one trying to talk us out of our calling. We mm -hmm. need to recognize what those lies are, and then we need to replace them with truth. For me, uh, one of them that I had is like, um, this job's going to kill me. Like I literally thought it's going to be too much. It's too much, too much, too much, too much. And I'd tell myself it's too much, too much, too much. And so I started believing it was too much, too much, too much. And so my body would reflect it, my mindset. And I had to recognize, no, God, God has given me everything that I need for life and godliness. That's a verse. God has given me everything I need for life and godliness. If I, if I can believe that truth, then if I have too much, I'm either not relying on him or I'm trying to do something I'm not supposed to do. And it changes the way I approach it is yeah. I'm either not depending on his power or the, his people or his resources, or I'm actually doing something I'm not called to do. If I have that different mindset, then I have a really different approach to ministry. And that one uh, change of mindset, Carl, for me has been a game changer from several years ago. This is going to kill me. It's too much. I can't take it to, no, I have everything I need for life and godliness. So. Yes. If I feel like I have too much, either I'm not depending on God, depending on his people, delegating enough, or I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. It changes everything for me. Do you think that ministry leaders have more spiritual warfare thrown at them? Are, are we are we more targeted, you know, a target of attack? I, I don't want to ever I don't I don't want to ever imply that someone who's not in ministry is not as important. Of so course I not. don't think yeah. I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily true. But I think it's certainly true that we have as much attack, hmm. no yep. doubt about it, and and probably attack in some different ways, hmm. only because the stakes are a little higher. If you can mm -hmm. if you can mm -hmm. talk um, a school teacher into believing a lie, you can impact twenty students in one family. If you can if you can um, talk a pastor into believing a lie, you might impact two hundred people in the church and a family. So. I think that I think that um, I think we're a very good target for the enemy's attacks because um, there's a lot there's a lot riding on yeah our ability in the to spiritual God's love yeah yeah so how do we move kind of coming back to the book how do we move from knowing something is biblically true to believing it's it's true about us 
I, it's a great question. I, I think a lot of times we actually, you're right, the way you said it is very accurate. We may know it's true, but we don't believe it. And I see it all the time. Like um, there was a season when everything I prayed for didn't happen. And so I believed God's a God that answered prayers. I just didn't believe he answered mine. And that's, that's kind of what I believed. I think there are, in ministry, there are pastors who believe, yeah, um, the gospel changes lives, but but people aren't going to be saved where I am, whatever it is. Hmm. Uh, it's, your question is good. So if we want to get really practical, what happens is when we think a thought, we're creating a neural pathway. The more we think that thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. And so if we're thinking a wrong thought and we think it over and over again, it just that becomes the default thought. What we have to do is we have to work very, very hard to renew our mind, to um, fix your thoughts on things that are pure, admirable, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. You have to work to fix your thoughts there. And so what I like to do very practically is create like what I'd call a spiritual faith statement. I said, said earlier, I have everything I need to do everything that God calls me to do. I'm going to say that over and over again. When I feel overwhelmed, no, I have everything I need to do everything God calls me to do. And so whatever that lie you're believing, what I would do is say, your strongest weapon against the lie is always God's word. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, how do you fight back? He fought back with God's word. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take God's word, and I would take his word and create a statement based on his word that is true to whatever battle I'm waging. If I say his word and I'm creating a new neural pathway with the power of his word, that right there will help me faster than anything else to overcome it. Not like, I'm happy, today's gonna to be a good day. No, it might be this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. This is the day the Lord has made, I will be glad and rejoice in it. You know, so I'm, 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 I'm taking his word and letting his word renew my mind. His word is living, active and powerful. That's better than any emotion I can name. That's better than any good, feel good thought I can have. Mm -hmm. Is that a thought audit? What is a, what is a thought audit? As a you thought audit is this, so, so think about this. Your life is typically moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, right? As a person thinks in his heart, in his mind, so, so, so he is. So the question is this, do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? And a lot of times, there were times when I just didn't like where my thoughts were taking me. Hmm. I suggest you do a thought audit. What do you do if you audit the books? You're going to look at the books and see, does everything reconcile in there? What you want to do is you want to look at your thoughts and ask yourself, what am I thinking? And are my thoughts consistent with, with God's word or are they not? And that's, uh, you know, if you sit there and you just go and journal, what do you say to yourself when you're having a hard time? What do you say to yourself when you're nervous? What do you say when you're doubting a situation? Look at what you're saying to yourself, look at your thoughts and audit them. Are these thoughts accurate with what God's word says about me or are they not? If they're not, you have a choice. Do you keep believing a lie? Or do you work really hard to renew your mind? And that's that's what a thought audit is. Very helpful for me. Good. What what if I feel trapped? What, like there's a lock at the door in my mind. How do I? How can I go about replacing the lies with truth in my mind? Maybe maybe we're repeating ourselves here, but I want to know like if I if I feel just that's that's great, but how do I unlock that door for me? Well, I would say it, it might take some work because you might actually be trapped. And if if you've grown up for 20 years thinking I'm an addict and I'm always going to be an addict. You're, you're locked in, in a prison, in a, in a prison of addiction. Or if you always think I always choose the wrong people, I'll never have a good relationship. If you've thought about it for years and years and years, you don't just like 
read a Bible verse and now, you know, most people don't, I mean, God could do that, but most people, that thought is so ingrained in you, you have to create a new neural pathway. So for example, in the book, I talked about my dog bandit. My dog would run across the yard over and over and over again in the same direction. My dog created a path. In order for that path to go away, there has to be enough time with nobody traveling that path for the grass to grow and make that path go away. Mm-hmm. What we have to do is we have to stop thinking that wrong thought for enough time for the neural pathway in our brain, basically like for the, um, I hope the metaphor works, but for the grass to grow over it so there's no path there. We have to stay off the wrong path and we have to create a new path. And it's just hard work. In the mm-hmm. book, I told kind of a real vulnerable story about when I was a little boy, my grandmother set me down the front porch and told me about the Great Depression, how the whole world's gonna fall apart economically. And I was terrified. I was terrified as a kid. I was terrified as a teenager. I was terrified as a young adult. I was terrified as a 35-year-old man leading the church. The economy is going to fall apart and my family is not going to be able to eat. I was terrified for years. That did not go away in 10 days of saying the Lord is my provider. (laughs) It didn't. It It took me, I went to counseling. I went to another round of counseling. I learned to quote scripture. I learned to I I learned to tithe to give above the tithe to not hold on for my identity not to be in what I had and then quite honestly what helped me more than anything was in 2008 when the global housing market kind of hit hard and I was like oh there it is okay there's what I've been afraid of my whole life and God is still real God is still faithful Hmm. it took it took me renewing my mind and it took me living it through so for someone who's listening right now a pastor who feels incapable or whatever it may take it may take years of renewing your mind with spiritual truth and then getting tested to where you say oh god came through for me and there there he was again and so you're learning to think the new thoughts and god is confirming his truth in your life and when those things start happening together you say this is truth this is truth what i believe forever was a lie this is truth. And it's honestly very, very, very hard work. I will still find myself making irrationally dumb, conservative financial decisions today. I mean, like literally things like, yeah, I'm not going to order that because it's $2 more. I'll get the cheaper thing when it makes no sense whatsoever, because that old, the pull of the old lie can be so strong. Mm, good. All right. I have some rapid fire social media before I leave you. Okay. All right, let's can- do it. All right. What music is on your playlist right now? What are you streaming? Man, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I have either all worship music or I have nothing but good old 80s classics. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Two extremes. Worship or the 80s. There you go. Uh, So I guess we're in an 80s move. I got Mario. What would you think about Top Gun Maverick? Oh, gosh. I've been waiting however many years for it to come out. I, I loved it before I saw it. I know, I right? Even more, yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's another one. How important are your church visuals? Your graphics and video at your church. How important is it for your visuals to look good? It's a good question. I would say that it's marginally important. Meaning, if it looks really, really bad, you're going to send a message that uh, we don't mean business here. If they look really, really great, it doesn't mean revival is going to break out. Mm, so I would say that they need to look—they uh, need to look good. And um, if they look great, it's even better. But the Holy Spirit still can work, even if they're not flawless. Good. 
All right, three more for you. What is one thing that you're seeing in ministry leaders that is discouraging you right now? I would say right now I see ministry leaders dropping like crazy mm-hmm. and, and with a sense of hopelessness and a, a loss of a sense of calling. Um, burnout is high, discouragement is high, and that is that's sad to me and not in a judgmental way because three years ago was the first and only time that I thought, well, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. So I understand it and um, I want to try to do everything I can to help eliminate that, but it, it is a real problem in ministry right now. It is, yeah. All right, what is one thing that you thought was important when you were younger in ministry that you've realized is not as important now? I'd say there's a million things, and it's like every year there's more things that I thought were important and wasn't, and I I think new things. I would say probably more than anything else, I thought that um, I thought I needed external growth to validate my internal worth. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning to separate those two. I still love growth and think it's important and think that healthy things grow. But I think that uh, to be faithful, I need to be faithful to God and not have my identity tied to the external results. Good. All right, last one for you. What still drives you after all these years? What are some tips for longevity in ministry? Tips for longevity. I'd ha- it would take me a long time to tell you. I'm going to tell you as fast as I can. Um, a firm assurance of calling matters. Um, an identity grounded in Christ matters so much. And it's hard, but I tell you that, that that matters. It's really hard because it's so easy to get your identity wrapped up in what people think of you or what the numbers say. That matters. Good friends matter so much that we have to, not just friends in ministry like other pastors, but I believe friends in the church, like being planted in a local community. Uh, the right mindset matters. It's really easy to become proud that what we do is best. We're critical of everybody else. We want to be for others. Um, a real trust in the power of God, that it's not all on us, that we do what we're called to do, and then really believe in that, that He's going to bring um, His work. I'd say a transparency about where we're weak and vulnerable. We're all weak and vulnerable towards sin. Um, we're only as strong as we are honest, so we've got to have a ongoing dialogue about our places of vulnerability. I'd say high accountability matters so much. I say there are people that have to be people that have the ability to tell us no, mm, people who have the ability it. to confront us. Yep. Um, those are some of the things that come to mind. I could probably double the length of that list, but I'll keep it short since it's supposed to be short. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there on the uh, the accountability piece. I think that without diving in too far, I think we've seen some moral failures that that had some of it to do with accountability, not being able to say no, or right. someone there in your life that can say, no, this is not <laughs> not the right path, or, right. or uh, you know, not just a yes man all around you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, man, uh, uh, I wanna tell everybody that uh, Winning the War of Your Mind and Winning the War of Your Mind for Teens is available wherever books are sold. Uh, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, just really appreciate uh, this and the insight and excited for the book, man. Hey, thanks for your heart for pastors and thanks for the decoration you created for me there in Orlando. It looks fantastic. <laughs> All right. Awesome. <laughs> Tell Kyle I said hello and have a great day. Hey, we'll do it. Th- thanks, Carl. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one, man. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. My name is Sharon and I'm an alcoholic for this and headache. My advice, find a reason to be here that's bigger than you are. I read the back of this family in the paper. I think this is it. Dad, 
situation. And we all look pretty for mommy. Well, maybe just a little off the cheeks. God is here with us right now. And we are here with you. Something about that little girl without a mom. Sick. And the family's blood dry from all the hospital bills. I think I'm supposed to help. Hi, Sharon. Yes, ma'am. I just wanted to come by and give you this. I just made dinner if you want to stay. Would love to. What are you doing? I met this woman. She's a mess. Perfect. She'll fit right in. Four hundred thousand plus in medical bills. All three credit cards maxed out. And your income's only thirty-six hundred a month. Yes, ma'am. That's not good, Ed. No, ma'am. I'm gonna put together a press kit for a corporate donations, that kind of thing. Smile. Girls, help your daddy out. <laughs> I've owned four small businesses. I'm good at plenty of things. Taking no for an answer ain't one of them. Daddy's in over his head. You're asking us to reduce the family's medical bills due to hardship. No, I'm asking you to erase them. All of them. Was that funny? Daddy! My belly hurts. Oh, you want to go on an adventure? Michelle will need to fly 700 miles to the Children's Hospital. Are you telling me we need a plane now? How exactly do you recommend we get a plane, Doc? I'll get you a plane, I promise. We are going to save this girl, you hear me? We're gonna need a lot of shovels. This is our last chance. If we don't take it, Michelle dies. How did it become your responsibility to save her? Because I'm here? Because I can. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out the show this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Our brand new website is coming soon. You can check out our massive ready-made media library you can get us to help you with custom media and see our brand new training library. It's all coming soon to churchvisuals.com. Well, next week will be our final episode of Making Sunday Happen before I move over to hosting our brand new podcast, Your Visuals Matter. I'll be walking through clips of some of our favorite episodes over the years and we'll celebrate a great ride together. We'll go out there and create some incredible worship experiences at your church this weekend. I'll see you for one final time on this podcast next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com. 